Open your Bibles up to Genesis 4. Genesis 4. Genesis 4. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, this is God. What have you done? What have you done? Many of us in this audience are parents. We love our children. We have tried to raise our children to the best of our abilities. We also know that our children are all different. It's not one of them alike. Neither were the first two children, Cain and Abel. They weren't alike either. Cain and Abel. The Bible record tells us that they were two brothers born to the first man and first woman, Adam and Eve. Cain means acquire or possess. And Abel, ironically, means breath or nothingness. Ironic, I say it's ironic because of his short life that he lived in comparison with everyone else. They developed two occupations, two different occupations. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. They grew up together, but they were different. Like I said, you know, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're not depart from it. Well, I certainly, uh, you know, agree with Dan Williams on this, as I've studied this a little bit more when he came a few years ago and said, you know, yes, that means bring them up in the Lord, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, most certainly, yes. But you've got to train up a child in the way they should go. And each one of our children are different. And each one of, one of them, we have, as parents, as part of our, well, part of being a parent, finding out the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. You parents understand the differences in your children when you think back to your own childhood. My sisters and I were were totally different. And uh, we had different ways of looking at life. We had different ways of uh, of going about doing things and still do to, to a certain degree. This is a story for all of us. Because as we study the story, the, the, the life-giving lessons of Cain and Abel and this first family, they give us examples for living, examples to follow and not to follow. So this is a lesson for all of us. One is an example of faithfulness, loyalty, and obedience. And the other is an example of, of jealousy and, and wrath and, and murder and, and falsehood. That's the siblings, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And we're going to look at these siblings in the light of Genesis chapter 4 today. And we're going to be turning around in some other scriptures as well. But let me tell you the story. Have you ever heard someone use the term yada, yada, yada? 
Ah, yada, yada. Well, it's Hebrew and it means I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. But look at Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. In the King James Version it says, And Adam knew Yada, his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. You know, that's the way it was in the beginning. <laughs> and it should be that way today. Adam knew his wife, didn't he? Adam knew his wife. Then Eve had Abel. And when they grew up enough, Cain became a tiller of the ground, as we've talked about. Talked about. Abel, a keeper of the flocks. And the Bible says, verse 3 of Genesis 4, So it came about in the course of time. You know, many have asked, where did Cain's wife come from? I believe it, it's contained in this particular part of this verse in, in verse 3 of Genesis 4. So it came about in the course of time. In this course of time, the logical conclusion, and, and God is, is logical. He's not the author of confusion. It's During this course of time, Adam and Eve, they had other children during this course of time. Many think just because Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel are, are being talked about and they're mentioned, but there weren't others that were being born. Many assume Cain and Abel were the first children, that there were no other children in between Cain and Abel or after Cain and Abel because they're not mentioned. The Bible is silent upon these. But do not lose focus. Don't let the focus of Cain and Abel drive away the conclusion that Adam and Eve did obey the command in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, if you look over there, they were commanded by God to be fruitful and multiply. Let's not deny that, that command of God and that they, didn't, they obeyed that command to be fruitful and multiply. Many assume when Cain left in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 4 that he, he ran across a woman and she became his wife. But look close at verse 17. It just says Cain knew or had relations with his wife. She very well may have traveled with him. Also, you know, we fast forward a few hundred years <laughs> and the law of Moses had not been given yet. And the law of Moses says you couldn't marry your sister or your brother. You would be, you would be killed. It was, it was against God. But that's, that's not a law here. Cain did not break a law. Cain's wife also had to have been his sister. Cain broke no law because there was no law there. This relationship was necessary to propagate the human race, you see. The Bible says Cain, as we've seen, was a farmer by occupation and that he brought an offering of fruit of the ground and his brother brought a meat offering. God was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was not pleased with Cain's offering. The Bible account says. So Cain gets mad. And God tried to counsel Cain. Cain ends up killing his brother. Then he tried to lie about it. But he was ultimately banished to wander. Later on, we won't get into this very much, but later on after Cain is banished, he had a son named Enoch. And they built a great city. And the city was named after his son Enoch. His sons included Jubal, the forefather of musicians, the Bible says. 
uh, Cain's uh, son Tubal Cain. He was the father of smiths uh, working with, with metal. And he also had a son named Lamech, which we may talk about at a later time, who didn't fall far from the tree. Lamech was a very violent man. Abel had no children, or we're not told about any lineage of children from Abel because he died at the hand of his brother. Their story is our story. The story of Cain and Abel are our story, and we would do well to learn the lessons from the brothers Cain and Abel. What was wrong with Cain's worship? Why, did, why, did, why was God not pleased with Cain's worship? That seemed to be what made, made Cain mad to want to be able to kill his brother. What was right with Abel's worship? How can this help our own worship of God today? You know, the word sin had never been used before. We first see the word sin here in, in Genesis chapter 4. Church, verse, chapters 1 through 3 over, and you won't find the word, the word sin there. What can we learn about sin, the sin in their lives and the sin in our lives from this incident of, of Cain and Abel? Because of sin, there was and is a sentence handed down to the sinner and a separation from God. And what's the solution for that separation between God and man today? These are questions that we'll get to, but let's look back at Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. I want you to see the style of the worship of these two brothers. Then, as now, there is righteous worship and there is unrighteous worship. Just like in their time, so it is in our time. There is righteous worship and, our, and unrighteous worship. The former is, is to please God and the latter, the unrighteous worship, is to please self. Abel presented his offering, it says, by faith, the Hebrew writer says. Keep your finger here in Genesis and turn over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, we have a great list of faithful people. We also learn a lot about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Notice, it was by faith that he offered this better sacrifice through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. So by faith, he obtained God's testimony that he was righteous. And it's in this sense that Abel offers his sacrifice. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Now how does he still speak to us? Well, we're going to see. This... this portion written by the Hebrew writer means that Abel heeded the instructions of God on how God is to be approached. How do we know this? How do we know that, that, that Abel heeded God's instruction? We're not told about it. We're not told in Genesis the instructions that God had for, for worship. 
But I believe we are here in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith. Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? says it on down a few verses later in Hebrews 11. So how do you get more faith? Well, the Bible doesn't leave us orphans. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. No, we're not told that God gave them the actual recipe for righteous worship. But the only way that Abel could have offered a better sacrifice by faith is by listening to God's word. We're not told, but God had to have given Abel the instructions for righteous worship because by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. And the only way to get more faith is by God's word, you see. So we learn here that God did not leave his first children as orphans. He stuck around. He instructed them on how to live. and He instructed them on what he wanted. And by implication, we know then that Cain didn't listen because he didn't offer up a sacrifice by faith. He didn't listen. And without authority, he expected God to accept his worship, but he worshiped without God's authority. God refused and still refuses to accept such worship. Just the same, we are not free to approach God in any way. Just like Cain and Abel, we're not, we're not free to approach God any way we want to. And we're dealing with God. and not, we're, not, we're not ordering the fast food. We're dealing with God. We don't get to order a la carte here. We're not ordering a number three. God's reprimand of Cain is a warning to anyone whose heart lacks reverence. Colossians 2, 23 says, These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom. There are a lot of people out there that, who have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, in self-abasement, in severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. We'll worship. We'll worship however we want to worship. It's not sanctioned by God. We must worship by the authority of Christ. Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We must not go beyond what is written. It says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. There, I believe, is another folly of Cain's. He became arrogant against his, his brother. Paul says we must learn not to go beyond what is written. You know, it's a learning process. It's taken me a lot of time, and I'm still going through this, and maybe many of you will recognize this, but it's a learning process not to want things to go my way. That's a learning process. 
Because so many times I want things to go my way. I want what I want. And we run over others in the process. We must remain within the doctrine of Christ. And 2 John 9 says, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Father. And the Son. We must worship in spirit and truth. The Word of God being truth. John 4.24, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 17.17, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. How do we know that Abel worshiped correctly? It was by God's Word. Because God's Word is truth. It's righteous and it's good. To introduce items of worship contrary or unheard of to the Word of God is to practice will worship. To go beyond the authority of Christ, to go beyond what is written, and to worship contrary to truth. And this is and was Cain's other problem. Will worship. It was a sin. It was a sin. It was a lesson that he must learn and God tries to help him out. Look back at Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. God tries to help him out in this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? My daddy always liked to talk about people who came into the worship service and they would they would they would slink back, they would slink in, you know. Uh, where I grew up, Walnut Street had a, a, a very large auditorium and went around and there were a lot of people. It was easy. There were many doors to come in and it was easy just to sneak in. You know, here it's a little harder to sneak in. You know, everybody sees you when you sneak in here. But, but there, it was a lot harder. And Daddy could always see those people. They would come in and they would sneak in and sit on the back row. Didn't want to look at anybody. Didn't want to say anything. They're counting. At one time, this person may have been a may have been a giant in the church, but they're counting. Something was going on with them. Something was wrong. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? God tells Cain. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? How do, we, how do we feel better about ourselves? How do we feel better about life? How do we feel better about coming to church? Well, do right. There's God's advice. Do right. Live right. Act right. Speak right. Live right. You'll feel better about coming to church. You'll feel better about being a Christian. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, notice Sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you. But you must master it. Here's the very first mention of sin in the Bible. Right here. The very first mention of sin in the Bible. Sin is portrayed as a, as a, as a, dark, a dark monster. A predator. Ready to eat you up. You know, we're going to talk in Sammy's class in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 8. It talks about that roaring lion. The devil's like a roaring lion. He's, he's roaming around. He's seeking whom, whom, whom he may devour. He's waiting to ambush you. He's, he's right outside the door. Sin desires Cain. He desires you and me. God's, notice God's confidence in Cain. 
Notice, God is giving Cain godly advice and God is telling Cain, you can do this. You can master this. In fact, not you can, you must master this. He's telling us the same thing. Christian, you can do this. You can master this. Whatever sin is in your life right now, you can get rid of it. You can get shut of it. In fact, not just you can, you must You must. It's desires for you. It's crouching at the door for you. But you must master it. We're responsible, God is telling us. We're responsible for our own behavior. Young people, you're responsible for your own behavior. Young people, there's a lot of teenagers in this group here, and I'm not picking out specific ones. I promise you I'm not. But teenagers and young people, if you call yourself a Christian and you are baptized into Jesus Christ and you treat your mom and daddy like a dog, what can you say about your Christianity? You can do this. You must master sin. You must. You can do it. God has confidence in all of us. Cain had worshipped God in a way that God had never commanded. And Cain was upset that his gift was not accepted. Like any spoiled child probably would act. This this was fueled by the fact that his brother's gift was accepted. (laughs) Not only is mine not accepted, but my dirty old, stinky old, nasty old brother's is accepted. Sheep herder. You you can imagine what was going through his mind. If he failed to obey God, his sin would have would inevitably grow. God has given him advice. God's formula for Cain was simple: repent and worship God's way. But Cain wouldn't repent. God gives Cain a warning. Notice, if he doesn't repent, more sin is inevitable. God tells him he must master his sin. Here's a note to parents. You know we. We try and we try and we strive and we strive with our children. We try to give our children instruction. And many times we give them instruction and we tell them not to do things or to do certain things for their good, for their benefit. Many times our children don't see it that way. But we've been there, we've seen it, we've maybe even done it, and we know the outcome of living, doing acting, saying certain things. Cain here was given God advice. God given advice. Did God, did Cain take God's advice? Well, as we'll see, no. He, he, he did not. And you can try and you can strive with your child and if your child does not respond, take heart. Take heart, parents. God knows how you feel. God knows how you feel. 
Cain commits the murder of his brother Abel. Look back at Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You know, the law of Moses later, later on, these folks are not under the law of Moses, but later on under the law of Moses in Deuteronomy 22 verse 25, proof of premeditation was, a proof of premeditation was that it was done in a field. Okay? If you killed somebody in a field, that was proof of premeditation. Why? Because you couldn't sneak up on them very well in a field. It's almost like we're part of a CSI unit, isn't it? Sent to investigate a crime. You know, many murderers have been convicted even though the officials don't have the body. Janet March, you remember that case? Never had the body. But her husband was convicted, wasn't he? They can find fibers, they can find hair, they can find even blood. And look, the blood of Abel, notice, was a witness against Cain. The Lord knew what happened. And like his father's son, Cain tries to hide things. He tries to cover things up, doesn't he? Just like Adam did when he got caught. He tried to blame Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Everybody's pointing and blaming somebody else. Cain, he tries to cover things up. Now, we're not told how Cain killed his, his, his brother, but the word in the original language is not like a knock on the head with a rock. It's not like that. It's basically he butchered him, murdered him. He killed him. He butchered him. A little more bloody than a knock on the head. Two things I'd like to point out from this passage. Look at verse 7. After God speaks to Cain, uh, speaks with Cain about sin, notice in verse 8, Cain told his brother about the conversation between him and God. He told his brother, he told his brother about the conversation. You know, have you ever been with someone who knew the truth, maybe even taught you the truth, and still reject the truth for themselves later on? Have you ever been with somebody like that? Ever known somebody like that? Look, second, we, we, we are our brother's keeper. I want you to understand this. I'm not speaking of that close bond between Christian brothers and sisters either. I'm not speaking about that. But the bond that all humans share as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We all come from this same bloodline and we've been commanded by our Lord Jesus Christ to be our brother's keeper. It says in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's all people. We must master sin and we must help others master sin as well. All must cover their sin. It says in Psalm 32, verse 1, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And we need to know and understand that forgiveness is possible. We need to know that Jesus, because of Jesus, sin can be taken away. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. That's Jesus Christ. Know that Jesus Christ has the power to forgive sins, Matthew 9, verse 6, and that Jesus shed his blood to make this 
possible. Hebrews 9.22. Cain committed a horrible act. But instead of repenting, his heart hardened and it led to more sin. That's why I prayed at the beginning that there would be some open minds and some soft hearts. When confronted with sin, and that's kind of what I've done with you this morning, I kind of planted my feet and confronted you with your sin this morning. And when confronted with sin, you've got two options. You can harden your heart or you can soften your heart. Cain hardened his heart. There's a danger in not obeying the gospel. It says in John chapter 12, Jesus says, For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes. He has hardened their hearts so they would not see with their eyes and perceive them with their heart and be converted and I heal them. You know, we're changed in one of two ways when we hear the truth. Either we're molded by the truth or it hardens. There's no middle ground. Cain hardened his heart and his crimes extended from, from improper worship to murder. I mean, think about that. He went from improper worship to murder to lying to God. There's a danger in disobedience. And here we see the sentence of Cain. God gives his sentence. God uses object lessons often to teach his truth. You know, you think about the smoldering ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah. They should be a sign even to us today of living that lifestyle is detrimental to your health. This may be the reason God didn't use the death penalty in Cain's case. God could have done that. He could have killed Cain. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Cain, the vagabond, would be a reminder for centuries of God's people the punishment of this evildoer. Cain came around and hung around with that mark on him, God's mark on him. And it was a deterrent to others who would try to just settle disputed matters in the same way that Cain tried to do so. We read of sevenfold vengeance. Sevenfold vengeance. We'll read that here in, in Genesis 4, verse 11. And as we look at Genesis 4, verse 11, I want you to look. Why would sevenfold vengeance be taken upon anyone who tried to kill Cain? I want you to understand this God is exercising his sovereign authority over creation. No one else would have the right to kill Cain but God. We don't know what the mark was on Cain, but we know the sentence. We don't know what the mark looked like, but we know what the sentence was. We're told what the sentence was, and Cain didn't like it. Cain didn't like the sentence. Look at Genesis 4 verse 11. Now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. 
So the Lord, verse 15, said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one would, no one finding him would slay him. You remember Adam's curse? Remember the curse of Adam? Adam's curse was that the ground would not make his labor easy. He would have to work by the sweat of his brow. Cain's, the ground wouldn't cooperate at all. For Adam, it wouldn't be easy. For Cain, it wouldn't cooperate at all. The ground. And Cain whines, basically, that this is just unreasonable. And it says in the very next verse, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. You know, from the beginning, sin has already always separated God and man. It says in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord is, Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Ultimately, separation caused by the sin of man is an eternity spent in hell. Revelation 20, verse 15. There are so many who believe that God is just too loving to condemn a soul to eternal hell. However, we've seen God enforces His laws. He has already removed man from the tree of life, as we've seen. And God says that in an eternal hell, that's what awaits a sinner who will not repent. And we better believe that. There's a solution to this separation. Man has a problem a sin problem. Cain couldn't do it. He couldn't obey God. He couldn't, he couldn't get the sin out from under his door. Let me tell you about some folks who could and they did obey God. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. This Bible account is from the New Testament and it, it involves blood too. Cain killed his brother Abel and that blood, even today, cries out from the ground. It's personified. Let me show you some more blood. In Matthew 27, Jesus is before Pilate and Pilate's trying to get Jesus released. And verse 24 says, When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing but rather that a riot was starting, he took water, he washed his hands, in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Notice. And all the people said, notice. His blood, the blood of Christ, his blood shall be on us and on our children. I don't believe the first parents would have wanted that for Cain and Abel. I don't believe that any parent here would want that for their child. Yet that's what they said. His blood shall be on us and on our children. You know, these folks were still in Jerusalem later. 
Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. These folks were still in Jerusalem weeks later after Jesus rose from the dead. He told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem and that just like he promised, he would send the Holy Spirit. They would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, he does come with power upon them and Peter preaches the first gospel sermon and basically tells the people then that they had murdered Jesus Christ And the Bible record states, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice, please, verse 39, For the promise is for you and your children. as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. The curse that they had put on their children was voided by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood they had on their hands would now be covered, covering their whole body in the waters of baptism. And they would be saved. Christ is the solution. His death, his burial, his resurrection bridges the gap between the separation between man and God. And when we repent and are baptized and live for God, we no no longer stand condemned like Cain stood condemned before God. We no longer stand condemned in that field long ago. The sentence, it no longer applies. The, The separation gap between God and man has been filled by Jesus Christ. Accept the solution. Master the sin and righteously worship God. When we obey, there's no separation and the sentence for disobedience will not be imposed. Won't you come right now as together we stand and sing.